Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Nonprofit View, a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm a consultant to nonprofits and I specialize in community and organizational development. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities, and you can find Nonprofit U on Facebook and Twitter. I encourage you to comment early and often using the hashtags Nonprofit U or Moral Mondays. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofit underscore U. The chat room is open, and you can post comments and questions. In order to use the chat room, you must open a listener-only account, and you'll find a link to open the account on the episode page. And you can also email me questions at consulting at ValerieFleonard.com or send messages through Facebook and Twitter. You'll find a Nonprofit U fan page on Facebook, and the Twitter account is at Nonprofit U. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about the 30-minute mark. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. Today's episode is Moral Mondays. We'll discuss the origins of the Poor People's Campaign and its relevance today, and we'll also have an overview of upcoming trainings and activities and let you know how you can get involved in the movement. Again, we encourage you to call in with questions and to participate in live chats at about the 30-minute mark, although if you're in a chat room, you don't have to wait 30 minutes. You can start posting now. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. We're looking especially for activists and nonprofit professionals and even those residents who are just generally concerned with what's going on in the community. We're encouraging all of you to call in, although this is not exclusive. Anyone can call. Are the Reverend Dr. Liz Theo-Harris and Catalina Gaite. The Reverend Dr. Liz Theo-Harris is co-director of the Cairo Center, as well as a founder and coordinator of the Poverty Initiative. She has spent the last two decades organizing amongst the poor in the United States, working with grassroots organizations like the Coalition of Imakali Workers, and forgive me if I have butchered that name. She has also worked with the Vermont Workers Center, Domestic Workers United, the United Workers Association, the National Union of the Homeless, and the Kensington Welfare Rights Union. She is national co-director of the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival, and author of Always With Us, What Jesus Really Said About the Poor. She is also an ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church in the United States and a biblical scholar in the New Testament and Christian origins. Our second guest is Catalina Gaite. She is the co-director of Block Together, and Blocks Together is a membership-based community organization in Chicago. They focus on organizing and grassroots leadership development. They're located in the Humboldt Park community, or rather the West community, and that is on Chicago's west side for those of you who are listening from other cities. 
Since 1995, Blacks Together has empowered residents to work together for systemic changes that bring concrete improvement to their lives. Blacks Together tackles social justice issues relating to education, housing, economic justice, and the criminalization of youth. Some of their most notable work includes participating on the Chicago Educational Facilities Task Force, which advocates for equity and transparency around school facilities, closures, and boundaries. And if you live in Chicago, you know their work is never done. They have also worked with local school councils and community-based organizations around the city on issues surrounding school utilization and closures, advocacy around tax reform and TIFs, equitable school funding, and supporting a referendum for an elected school board. Blacks Together began their work on TIFs in earnest in 2008, and when I say TIFs, I'm talking about tax increment financing, and they wanted in 2008 to better understand the relationship between TIFs and school fundings as well as school closures, and they have learned a whole lot, and they I've been on our show before, and you can look at a couple of the past episodes. Uh, one is the People's TIFs, and then they did a TIF toolkit. So the focus of our conversation for today is going to be on Moral Mondays, as well as the Poor People's Campaign on the national level, as well as the local level. So without further ado, I want to thank each of you for being on Nonprofit U today. It's been an honor to have you, and we'll start with Reverend Thea Harris. What is poverty in America and some of the issues and impacts you're seeking and seeing in your work? Great. Well, thanks so much for having me on. It's great to be there, and I'm really looking forward to coming to Chicago this this coming week. Um, so, I mean, poverty is, is very widespread uh, in the United States. Um, Facts statistics say that one in two Americans are poor or low income. Um, that oh my goodness! Can I stop you? Can I stop you right there, Reverend Theo Harris? Yeah. Can I stop you right there? Yes. Um, of course, of course. It's interesting that uh, that the statistic now is one half versus thirty three percent when Martin Luther King started. That's Downing. right. It was That's so astounding. Right. I had to, <laughs> I had to interrupt it's, it's, you, and, and I do apologize for that. No, it's right. I mean, and and in fact, it's even worse than that, which is that 80% of people in the United States at some point in their life will experience poverty and hardship. Wow. Um, and so wow. this is this is a widespread problem. This is a problem that affects people of all ages, of all genders, of all races, of all geographies. Obviously, it disproportionately affects people of color, it disproportionately affects women and children. Um, it disproportionately affects immigrants. Um, but, you know, in some ways, poverty really knows no color and no boundary because everyone mm-hmm. um, is impacted by it. And, um, and it's really only getting worse. I mean, as, as you point out, um, 50 years ago, when it was uh, a, a major problem and a problem, in fact, the Reverend Dr. King called a curse. Um, it's really, it's really gotten worse since then. Um, and um, and so, what we've been trying to do um, at the Cairo Center, 
Um, and as we've been building this Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival, is try to connect up with grassroots organizations, many of them led people that are most impacted by poverty and racism mm -hmm. and discrimination and, and ecological devastation, you know, all of the, the problems that kind of assert themselves when people are, are poor and marginalized. Um, we've tried to link up with, with organizations led by, by those that are most impacted and, um, and weave them into a larger network, a larger movement that could be a powerful voice um, for people and for communities and change uh, what's going on. And so a lot of what we're trying to do actually is, is shift the moral narrative. Um, talk about the fact that the real issues that affect the vast majority of people in this country, the vast majority of the time, are issues like the lack of health care or inadequate housing or wages that are way too low to be able to, you know, adequately feed families and, and clothe and house families. Um, and so that these issues are, are the issues that all of our politicians, all of the people in society should be actually trying to come up with solutions around. And that what we need to do is organize and unite poor people and all people mm -hmm. of conscience to, to, to really abolish, eradicate poverty. Oh, that is awesome. And before I bring Kairos into the conversation, I just wanted to ask you to define Kairos. Kairos? Is it Kairos or Kairos? Yeah. Yeah, so it's Kairos. It's a, it's a, it's a Greek word, um, and it's mm -hmm. kind of from biblical times. Uh, it, it, it's a word that's kind of biblically used, um, and it's, it means the inbreaking of something new. Um, the dying of old things. It's a time, it's not chronos time. It's not linear time. Mm -hmm. It's a time when okay. movements are born, when change is possible, when people are trying to make a, a difference in terms of uh, the world and, and make it better for everyone. And so we named our center the Cairo Center because uh, we felt like, you know, there were new movements that were breaking out and that something new needed to be born um, and that these were these were times when when that kind of change was was possible and was gonna be needed. Oh, that's awesome! Thank you so much for that. Okay, um, Caro. <laughs> okay, Hi. welcome, Caro. Um, you're next. Hi, Valerie. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I, I really appreciate working with you and your being a. I would almost call you a regular guest these days. You have so much work that you can share with us. So thank you for having down us here. To, on. Mm -hmm. Drilling down to the community level, and when we look at the community, we're talking about West Humboldt Park and North Lawndale, and you may have other examples from other communities because you're just active everywhere. What are some of the issues that you're seeing on the ground? as they relate to poverty. Well, um, and thank you, everyone. Um, good afternoon. Um, some of the issues that um, we're confronting, I can, we can focus really on the west side, which also includes Garfield Park in Austin, is um, we have been seeing how um, city governments and um, leaders have really, um, by design, created pockets of poverty by not investing in communities. We've seen, like, in the west side, though, 
the closing of public investment infrastructure, schools, mental health clinics. Um, so, and there hasn't been a reinvestment of our public dollars back into our community. So, so we're seeing um, what these concentrations of poverty look like by displaced communities meaning communities that have been priced out of the neighborhood. For example, what we see in East Humble Park and then the shift of West Humble Park um, maybe 15 years ago was predominantly a black community. But due to uh, people, communities of Latinos being displaced from West Humble Park, uh, West Town has created, you know, a shift, right, and people moving west. Also, the breaking down of public housing has created shifts. So what has created has created these pockets of poverty and uh, influx of of residents without providing the resources infrastructures needed, right? So mm-hmm. that also lends to the criminalization of our communities. We're seeing how our youth, right? How we're seeing how there's more investments coming in to schools to criminalize our students, right? That rather than provide investment and supportive systems and this uh, emotional um, learning for them, right? Supporting their mm-hmm. their growth, uh, addressing the trauma that that is faced by being a youth of color in this community, right? And, and if you're poor, so, so what are all those traumas that are connected to our communities that are being displaced, that are being criminalized? So the displacement can go a little bit faster, right? How they're taking public dollars um, and using using and using it to develop elsewhere and using it to displace us, right? So then, and also mm-hmm. we're seeing the issue of environmental injustice, right? We've seen how schools like Orr had lead in their water and the parks. And then, so we're seeing how um, this issue of poverty is being um, addressed in so many different phases of our lives, right? In our schooling, mm-hmm. in our homes, in our health care, in our education, in the criminal justice system. So that's what we're currently facing in West Humble Park, um, Garfield Park and part of London, we're seeing a shift, right, and, and um, also displaced communities, but also people that want to come and take and, and developers. So um, okay. there's a rapid there's rapid change in happening in our communities. Yes, yes, yes. I can definitely relate. Um, when my dad was alive, um, he would always describe living in North Lawndale and community similar to it. It's like you're fighting a hydra-headed monster, you know, because there's so many different issues coming at us all at once. And for those of you who are into Greek mythology, and I'm a, I had a little, few more birthdays than you, so I might be dating myself and I might be what, I, I might not have the facts all correct, but in Greek mythology, I believe it was Jason, and in his adventures, he ended up or was it Hercules, one of them, ended up fighting a hydra which had multiple multiple heads or whatever, and he just kept fighting and fighting, and it seems like as soon as he would kill off one, one head or whatever, it would grow another head or another tentacle, and he was just constantly fighting. And and that's, and, and that's exactly and that's exactly what we're constantly <laughs> seeing, right, how they're constantly creating different policies and different trends and different practices, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's looking how they're trying. Is this really push of the displacement of the poor and pricing out of the poor of Chicago, right? So they're going to create different uh, mechanisms and different structures to be able to do that. And we've seen how the TIS are, are one tool, right, that has mm-hmm. created this uh, lack of resources and lack of divestment in our community. Yes, yes, yes. 
So, yeah, um, so if it's not TIFF, then it's the schools. If it's not schools, then at one point it was the Olympics that could have potentially displaced people. And all of this stuff is going on at once, and it seems to be the same people fighting all of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, so it gets, it gets a little tiring. It's a little tiring, right, Kato? But also inspiring, right, to see that people are are there and don't give up and understand that this is a, a fight that's gonna, that's there for the long haul, right? It's not just about taking little steps and consistent in a victory, right? So in order to win, and victory is not an option, right? So we have to change structures and systems and practices that allow for this to happen, right, that allow for people mm-hmm. to be uninsured, that allow our kids to be gunned down in the streets, that allow a criminal justice system that preys on the poor and the youth of color, right? So it's going to take a lot, right? So we got to stay inspired for the long haul of fight because I see victory. And it's inspiring to see different people of different ages uh, joining in the fight. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so Dr. Theo Harris, founder of the Cairo Center, as well as the co-founder and director of the Poverty Initiative, can you give us an overview of the Cairo Center and the Poverty Initiative, as well as tell us how you came to this work? And I realize that's a, a lot of information in one question. No, that sounds great. Um, can you hear me okay? Yes, ma'am. Okay, great. Um, so I have been involved in grassroots anti-poverty work for almost 25 years now. I met up. When I moved to Philadelphia, I met up with the National Union of the Homeless and and then mm-hmm. later the Kensington Welfare Rights Union. Um, and those were efforts of poor and homeless people organizing and fighting, you know, for themselves and to, to really put an end to poverty, to an end of homelessness. Um, so the movement um, led by those that are most impacted. And so I got involved um, and was introduced at that point to a history of poor people organizing in this country uh, that dated back to the Poor People's Campaign um, that Martin Luther King mm-hmm. was doing the last year of his life, but also that, um, that connected to other movements in the U.S. history, um, you know, whether it was the Southern Tenant Farmers Union, the sharecroppers, or, or even folks that were a part of um, abolition and the ending of slavery. And so uh, the... The Poverty Initiative and the Cairo Center come out of that kind of rich history, that genealogy of poor people organizing ourselves um, and and trying to transform society for the better for everyone. And so um, I uh, I helped to found both of those organizations. The Cairo Center is basically the umbrella organization to the Poverty Initiative, and and uh, our work is been focused for the past three or four years really on trying to build this poor people's campaign, try to unite different struggles of taxi workers and farm workers and domestic workers and folks without health insurance and folks that are battling, you know, that many tentacled monster that we were just talking about <laughs> um, and trying to, to come to a, a place where we could actually, you know, get rid of that monster and all of the evils that it represents. Um, and try to, you know, change things for the better for everyone. And so for the last couple of years, what we've been doing is, is networking different organizations and, and, and groups and, um, and having a chance to kind of talk about what a platform and a program for a poor people's campaign would look like 
um, and talk about, you know, what kind of uh, society we want our families to be living in. And, and we've seen, you know, over the last year or so, working particularly with the Forward Together Moral Mondays movement out of North Carolina, the, the need really for a moral revival in this nation, um, for changing the values, um, you know, valuing human life and not corporate greed, and, you know, making sure that everyone has health care and not to even cut people off or, or, you know, try to sneak things through around people or raise people's rates in these crazy ways. And so what the Cairo Center is focused on is, is, is raising up generations of, of religious and community leaders who are, who are committed to this campaign and to a movement um, and to the transforming of, of life for everyone. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Thank you so much. So, Caro, you've been focused on developing grassroots leadership in Humboldt Park in a number of areas. Um, I see you're involved in small business development, education as it relates to school closings and other actions, and making sure that TIF funds are budgeted with input from local residents and distributed in a manner in which they can directly benefit the community. And for people who are outside of Chicago, um, this may sound like it's not that big of a deal, but in Chicago, this is heresy. So just just to give you some sense of the impact of the work that she has done. You know, typically in Chicago, we have a history of our TIF funds being tightly controlled by our mayor and our elected officials, and very seldom does the community have um, very direct um, benefit, although there is development in the community. But, you know, the residents themselves who are financing the TIFs rarely benefit directly. So Caro and her group are doing some wonderful work to make sure that people benefit, you know, residents as well as small business owners. But I'm here today to talk about Moral Monday. So, Caro, what brings you to this work with the Poor People's Campaign, and how did you get involved? Well, um, about a year and a half or so ago, I connected with Shai, uh, who works at the Cairo Center. And uh, we met here in Chicago, and she told me about what was coming together. And it really uh, resonated with the work we were doing here around our economic justice work. And um, so we brought that um, to block together. And, you know, we waited for the membership to um, agree and adopt it. And so for us, it became a, a way to frame our economic justice work, our education work, and our criminalization work really under one frame, which was the poor people's frame. Um, and, those, and that's really the you know, who we work with, who our members are, who mm-hmm. we are, who you know. Um, so it really makes sense uh, to look at it, especially when uh, some of our members have been talking about um, their frustration with uh, hearing um, elected officials always refer to the middle class and really um, mm-hmm. forget about the poor, right? So. For us, it was really a way of uplifting. You know, they, they, they like to call it the voiceless. I like to be called the silent. So really, like I said, mm-hmm. like this is a campaign where it really created a, a, a space for, for, you know, for the poor to really take control of the campaign, to say this is what we're fighting for, this is um, our voice, and it's not really an issue base, but it's mm-hmm. really around looking at all the different aspects of our lives that poverty impacts, right? And especially when it, you know, 
in the, in the system, right, in the economic system that doesn't, um, that dehumanizes, right, that humanizes corporations and dehumanizes people. Mm-hmm. Right? We see when they tell us there's no money, it's not that there's no money, right, it's the lack of prioritizing human services, right, it's the lack of prioritizing uh, people um, before profit. Right, so right, mm-hmm. when we see public dollars such as the TIP being misused and being used as corporate welfare, where we're told and are supposed to believe that our schools don't have money to educate our children, but yet you have millions to criminalize our children. Right, when you tell us that there's no money to provide mental health services for our communities that have been traumatized, but you have money to um, create systems and institutions that criminalize our communities, right? So it's really about understanding the power, the power we have as a class, as a poor people. And really identify, mm-hmm. right, because like, as Liz had mentioned earlier, poverty, especially now, with the lack of job creations, we'll be seeing how jobs have gone down, right, and the criminalizations of our communities mm-hmm. have gone up. So it's really going to take that, um, that power of the people, to come together to shift that and to shift the way we prioritize how our spending, or why is it that we're spending trillions on militarization and not on human services. So um, for okay. us, it, 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 it really hit home. We have been mm-hmm. um, fighting for, for quality public education, for universal health care, right, for um, uh, systems of nonviolence, like to, to uh, incorporate restorative systems in our communities instead of criminal justice systems. So it, um, it really resonated with the work we were doing locally and that our members had already been talking about, like we needed to really talk about the poorest um, struggle um, and take the focus out of the middle class. Mm-hmm. Well, that is awesome. Thank you so much for that. Okay, so I want to remind you. Oh no, 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 that's okay. You know, you answer. I asked a question, you answered it, and and I, I thought that was a, a beautiful story. Right, quite honestly, I, I was getting lost in the story. I'm, I'm not impatient. <laughs> Thank you. Mhm. Okay, so I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit You. And we're speaking with the Reverend Dr. Liz Dill Harris, and she's the co-director of the Cairo Center and co-founder and coordinator of the Poverty Initiative. And we're also speaking with Carolina Guite. She's the co-director of Blocks Together, and we'll be taking questions from our listening audience very, very shortly. If you're in the chat room, feel free to post right now. I know there are a few people in the chat room, and I thank you so much for joining us. The call-in number again is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. And if you happen to be looking at the episode page while you're listening, you'll see that number, I believe, at the top on top of the page on the left-hand side. Okay? So, Reverend Theo Harris, can you give us a history of the Poor People's Campaign and the original platform you know, that Martin Luther King and the folks at SCLC envisioned? Yeah, so a lot of what the Poor People's Campaign was, was doing, it was still in its pretty early stages. Um, so in some ways, actually, before Dr. King was assassinated, it didn't really fully have a platform. But one thing that he was really focused on 
And this was something that actually went back before the Pleasantville campaign, but was on mm-hmm. jobs and income. And he was actually talking about uh, both jobs and then income, like a guaranteed annual income when people weren't able to find jobs or weren't able to work jobs, um, even if there were jobs mm-hmm. available. And so a lot of uh, the focus really was on jobs and income. Um, but then the, there were various platforms that were developed around the 68 campaign, uh, some of them with more and more issues that were affecting people and some of them, you know, more focused on, on these questions of jobs and income. And so, you know, that in our, in our lives today, I mean, the idea of a right to a job and living wage, the idea of a guaranteed annual income where everybody, you know, could get what they need to survive. I mean, those are, are not the reality of people's lives right now. I mean, 64 million people mm-hmm. in this country uh, earn less than $15 an hour, um, even though there are 400 families who actually make 97 thousand dollars an hour um you know so this kind of income and wealth inequality um and the low wages that people are making is a is a major issue but then but also we have even though the unemployment rate itself isn't so high we have many 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 people who are unemployed and just lost you know confidence trying to find a job because the jobs just don't exist, mm-hmm. or people that are working two, three, four jobs, in fact, trying to um, make a living for their families. And so, so I think in our day, you know, actually talking about jobs and income, um, how people need a guaranteed income, how people need the right to a job at a living wage, I mean, is really important. Wow. Wow. So, Ricardo, can you tell us some of the things that you're doing with the Poor People's Campaign in the Chicago area to support the national organization while addressing some of the specific needs of the people in Chicago? Yes, actually, um, since January of this year, we have uh, began to meet um, blocks together with, like, organizations such as United Neighbors of the 35th Ward, the People's Tribune, um, Healing Corner, um, and then about 30 people in different, as individuals, more films that have come, and we meet once a month. We're working on mm-hmm. uh, developing a, a platform and a vision for what, is, what does it mean uh, to work locally as we support the national vision, um, understanding mm-hmm. there's also opportunities for us to uh, move forward on issues of living wage here um, locally as there's a push for the fight for 15 by pushing for universal health care, continue to fight against the privatization and closing of public schools, continuing to fight for the reinvestment um, of public dollars in our communities, right? Um, And Mm -hmm. as we also support um, the the national call for moral revival. So locally we've been um, meeting we had all different Carlos Rose stuff from the 35th Ward. Um, this May when we had a, a local tent revival come out and endorse mm-hmm. the campaign. So, right, as we're meeting, we're trying to figure out opportunities. What, is this, what could this mean locally in uh, pushing a poor people's uh, agenda to Chicago? Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. 
I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit U, and we're speaking with the Reverend Dr. Liz Theo Harris, co-director of the Cairo Center and co-founder and coordinator of the Poverty Initiative. We're also speaking with Carolina Gaite, or finally known as Caro. She is the co-director of Blocks Together. We'll be taking questions from our listening audience. Um, you can start calling in now, as a matter of fact. And chat room, the call-in number is 347-884-8121. And while we're waiting for you to call, I just want to take a moment to let folks know how they can strengthen their organization's Giving Tuesday efforts by participating in Webinar Wednesday. So every Wednesday from October 25th to December 6th, I'm going to be conducting webinars to help organizations strengthen their fundraising efforts for the year in fundraising and beyond. So if you are interested, give me a call at 773-571-3886, or you can email me at consulting at ValerieFLeonard.com. And do that for further information. So I'm going to remind you one more time, if you have any questions that you want to call in, the number is 347-884-8121, and you can feel free to post questions in our chat room. I know, Audrey, you had been around what what exactly the campaign is doing in Chicago. I believe Coddle answered that. If there's something that we didn't address, uh, feel free to post it. And Tamika Flowers, I see that you're in the chat room as well. If there are any questions or comments, um, please feel free to do so. And then, Valerie, if you can also let her know that we meet the second Saturday of every month from 1 to 3 at 3711 West Chicago Avenue. 3711 West Chicago. Mm-hmm. And Valerie, I was thinking maybe I could say a little bit about what's happening, you know, on a national level, but that's also going to um, be happening on a state level, which is um, uh, a couple of things. I mean, we mm-hmm. are in the process nationally of traveling around the country and connecting up with with state organizing committees, um, because in the spring of 2018, in 25 states across the country and in Washington, D.C., uh, folks will be mm-hmm. inaugurating a, a season of 40 days of, of nonviolent moral resistance, including doing nonviolent resistance. Um, and that will be happening in state capitals, 25 state capitals across the country, as well as in D.C. And, and that will be focused mm-hmm. on, um, you know, this kind of larger moral agenda. The way we're developing it is through um, mm-hmm. a, a project we have going on right now called the Souls of poor folks, auditing America 50 years since the Poor People's Campaign challenged on racism, on poverty, on, on militarism, um, and on our national morality. And so that audit is happening, um, and that's helping mm-hmm. us to establish the agenda for the Poor People's Campaign, you know, on a state and a national level. Um, we're kind of looking at over the past 50 years what has been going on, um, what has worked, what might have worked if it had been able to be implemented, um, to be able to then suggest forward, uh, you know, what kind of 
set of demands and platform do we need for mm-hmm. um, for this nation? And, you know, so far, we're coming to Chicago next week. Um, we've been in seven other states in the last couple of weeks, um, and mm-hmm. we're meeting over the course of these three months with folks from 37 different states across the country. Um, wow. And, and the response has been overwhelming. Um, at the mass meetings we've been having, uh, most of them have had, you know, more than 1,000 people and about 50,000 people live streaming the event, you know, watching the live stream of the event. Mm-hmm. And um, so clearly this is something that, that many people across the country are feeling is ne- necessary and needed. I mean, this kind of mm-hmm. uh, coming together across all the lines that divide us, coming together across our various mm-hmm. issues, um, saying, you know, we, we need a common voice um, and we're going to put our bodies on the line and we're going to engage in nonviolent civil disobedience. And so I, I know that folks in Illinois and Chicago will be part of that and, um, and they'll be joined by people from all across the country. Awesome. Okay, so Dr. Thea Harris, as you were talking um, about the work that you do nationally, I got to thinking about the cultural divide there is here in this country that's really been heightened since the last presidential election um, for obvious reasons. I'm just wondering, by any chance, are you guys involving some of the folks from Appalachia and people who might have supported the current president, you know, based on cultural issues, um, based on, you know, even some of the, the race baiting, but, Many of these people, if you look at their socioeconomic profile, it's not that different from the folks who Caro and I live with, you know, in North Lawndale. So, are are you guys also reaching out to those people, and is there a hope to kind of bridge some of the cultural divide, some of the racial divide that has gone on, you know, in recent years? Yeah, I mean, it's been really powerful so far. I mean, obviously, for many years, um, I've been engaged in building this Poor People's Campaign, but even just most recently in the last couple of months, when we were in Detroit, um, just a couple of weeks ago was the last one of these mass meetings and regional trainings we did, and we had folks, we had welfare moms and welfare rights activists from all over mm-hmm. uh, Michigan, from Flint and from Detroit, um, uh, folks that have been in the struggle for a long time, but they were also joined by Appalachian moms from Ohio, and um, folks sat in the room together and, and said, you know, what are the issues that are affecting us? And, and really found that there were real commonalities, um, real similarities, and, and a common agenda that we could have. And, and, and that's, that's, we're finding that all across the country. You know, we are in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we have Native folks and poor white folks and Latino folks um, uh, and African-American folks, you know, all kind of in the same room saying, okay, mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is the time for us to come together. And, and so we've, we've, We've seen a lot of uh, interest, actually, um, uh, from people of all cultures in this, um, and uh, we feel that 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 you know we've made it really a point that that this this poor people's campaign would have happened if Trump had not been elected, right? If we had had mm-hmm. Hillary or four more years of Obama, um, you know, it, it maybe has intensified right. because of of what's happening. Um, with uh, Trump in the White House um, and um, and McConnell and Ryan, you know, in the positions that they're in. Um, mm-hmm. But 
you know, we, we also see that part of how, uh, you know, we got into the situation that we're in is that in the 2016 election, there were 26 debates, presidential debates, in the primary and in the general election. Not one of those 26 debates had an hour focused on poverty, had an hour focused on a real wow. discussion of health care. Not one of them had an hour discussion on voter, voter suppression and systemic racism. Not one of them had an hour discussion on ecological devastation. You know, these issues that are actually plaguing our society weren't, weren't even discussed. They didn't even, and, and those are the issues that are affecting people of all races, of all cultures, mm-hmm. of all geographies across this country. And so that's who we're trying to unite and trying to bring into this campaign. I mean, we see this as a major organizing drive. Um, and people are responding. I mean, uh, you know, at these mass meetings that we've been holding, thousands of people have been signing up to say, awesome. you know, I want to be involved. I want to. And these are some folks that have been, you know, fighting for freedom for a long time and some folks that, you know, are, are coming to this battle new um, but see it as their battle and as their community's battle. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, so we've got two more questions from the chat room, and then I'll get back to you, um, you know, get back to the floor of our interview. Um, The first question is from Tamika Flowers. Um, Her question is, is this campaign active in Los Angeles, the homeless capital of the country? Now, that I didn't know that. Thanks for sharing that with us, Tamika. So just a couple of weeks ago, we were in Los Angeles. We did a, a mass meeting there. There was more than a thousand people that showed up for it. Um, before the mass meeting, uh, the leaders of the Four People's Campaign and folks from all across the state of California actually had a meeting with grassroots leaders in Skid Row, um, talked about mm-hmm. the problem of growing homelessness, um, growing poverty. Um, you know, we had folks from the Salinas Homeless Union in the mix um, who are organizing mm-hmm. in some of the homeless encampments that are being, you know, ravaged and destroyed by the police and by others. Um, and so we see homelessness as a major issue in this campaign, and we see every place across this country, including Los Angeles, needing to be, you know, involved. And, and folks were, were very receptive there, so, so that, was, that was very encouraging. Awesome. Now, is there a contact in LA that we might post? Um, I, I know I don't expect you to have phone numbers <laughs> memorized from people all around the country, but is there um, a way that you can maybe forward me the information? I could post it on the episode page for future reference. You know, for Tamika and others from LA, if they were interested in getting involved in LA, or better yet, yeah, is there a great. directory? Is I know. I'm trying to think. I think we're in the people. process of basically trying to put these state organizing committees um, connected. And so if folks go to poorpeoplescampaign.org, at this point you can probably just send an email to more of a general place. But that will then get us to send it to, to the local people in each state. Um, and then we are working okay, towards awesome. uh, having a, a way that that people can just directly find the leader's in each state um, and and get involved and in touch. Okay, great, great. 
Okay, and then we've got one more question in our chat room. This is from Audrey Dunford. Um, and Audrey is my neighbor in North Lawndale, um, and she is very, very actively engaged. And I'm hoping at some point maybe maybe become part of this work. Um, and Tamika Flowers just said thank you so much for that information. But um, Audrey's question is, what exactly does moral revival mean? Are they speaking biblically, ethically, or, or what? That's a great question. That's a great question. So, so at this point, the issues that people talk about in a moral way are very few. There are things like prayer in the mm-hmm. schools and sexuality, and abortion, and whether Jesus was a founding member of the NRA. Um, and <laughs> we see that the issues of health care, of housing, of gentrification, of living wages, of police violence, that these are the real moral issues of our day. And so the call for a moral revival isn't a religious call. It's not an evangelical call. Um, it's a call to say that our nation needs to change its priorities and focus on people and focus on the issues that impact people, um, but that it needs to be a reviving um, of a spirit of struggle, a spirit of equality and freedom, um, and that, uh, you know, we're going to tap into our deepest moral values in terms of loving our neighbor, in terms of uh, taking care of everyone um, in order to, to really uh, change society for the better. And so um, we are asking for, for, you know, obviously impacted. This is, a, this is not a campaign for poor people. This is a campaign with and um, led by poor people. It's also a campaign mm-hmm. that, that has um, folks that identify as uh, religious leaders, not from any particular religion, but, but from, you know, very, all the world's religions, um, saying that, you know, that these issues around taking care of one another in terms of equality and liberation and prosperity for all, like these are the issues that mm-hmm. our faith traditions talk about and that we actually need for there to be folks coming out from those faith communities, but then also from all communities, um, people of no mm-hmm. faith and, and of faith, um, all saying, you know, we need to revive the heart of our democracy. We need to um, change the direction our country is going in. We need to, um, you know, revive uh, a kind of moral sense of what's right and wrong. Um, not mm-hmm. what's left or right, but what's right and wrong. Okay, awesome. Okay, ladies, I got to ask you a question. You know, I'm looking at our time. We had a number of questions that we have not yet gotten to. I'm enjoying this conversation. It seems that the ladies in the chat room are enjoying the conversation, but we've got quite a few more questions to go. Uh, My question to you is shall we – extend the time a little bit, and when I say a little bit, I'm talking about 10 to 15 minutes tops, or shall we just do a hard stop, you know, at 3 o'clock? I can, I, I have kids home from school today, but they seem to be happy, so I can, um, I can do whatever uh, needs to be done. Okay, great. How about you, Kato? 
I'm sorry, I was talking to Amelia. I could do 10 more minutes. Okay, 10 more minutes. All right. So uh, with that said, I'm going to switch up the order of our questions in the event that we don't get through all of them. Um, and the the question that is at the top of mind, you know, especially before we close um, the first hour, is the fact that there's going to be a meeting on Chicago's West Side, Kato. You know, that's going to be in North Lawndale in Historic Stone Temple where Dr. Martin Luther King did his organizing around fair housing issues. Can you tell us about that meeting? Yes, uh, we're very excited first of all to have um, Dr. William uh, Barber and uh, Reverend Lou Harris come out uh, Thursday, October 12th. Um, doors open at 7. Program begins at 7.30. The address is 3622 West Douglas Boulevard. Um, we're very excited. Uh, just up to be a host, them on the website, like you said, um, the, the history behind um, Stone Temple Church and what does it mean um, for them to be here for the moral uh, revival this Thursday, October 12th. Um, everyone's invited. Please come out. Um, like I said, doors open at 7. Program begins at 7.30. What you can expect is uh, testimonies um, from people in um, the state of Illinois and Indiana talking about, like, the four evils, which is uh, environmentalism, militarization, racism, and poverty, giving testimonies around how their lives have been impacted by those Mm -hmm. um, in those different areas. There's going to be music, culture, um, there'll be cultural events, um, and you will also um, be able to hear from, continue to hear from uh, Reverend Liz Harris, uh, Theo Harris and Reverend Barbara. Okay, awesome. And for you, Dr. Theo Harris. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry? Sounds great. No, that sounded really perfect. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And prior to that, you know, we're going to have an opening right at Trinity United Church Christ, and that will be have more of a national focus. Is that true? And then you'll drill down into training. Don't but, get me to. Describing no, that that'll be part of the training of folks here in Chicago that are preparing to um you know be part of the forty day action and continue supporting the national work so that's a that's a closed um, training, but on October twelfth mm-hmm. that's open to everyone and that's a public event I got so it. part of the training is part of the preparation uh for the work okay okay All right. i I got it. I got it. So, Dr. Theo Harris, what were some of the successes and challenges of the original Poor People's Campaign, and you know, what are some of the lessons learned that can be instructive for today? Yeah. So, I think a lot of what um, you know, what we're trying to do these days is um, get people onto a similar page. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the the Poor People's Campaign of '68. Um, happened very quickly, and um, Dr. King was killed before the plans for it were really able to um, really able to develop in the way that they they wanted them. Uh, there was a meeting in the middle of March um, of mm-hmm. leaders. It was called the Minority Leaders Meeting, and and at that meeting there were folks from the Jewish Federation and folks from Native American organizations and from Welfare Rights. 
um, and from a, a series of different um, – Pedro Chavez was supposed to actually be at that meeting, but he was actually in jail. Um, so mm-hmm. others, you know, connected to the United Farm Workers and, and in that movement were um, were there and in the, in the mix. Um, but, you know, what wasn't mm-hmm. able to be done, because um, there just wasn't quite the time for it, was um, the kind of pulling together of, of a larger kind of network and vision so that, that that campaign could, you know, continue into the future. Um, and then what happened was uh, a combination of um, of uh, the weather, um, so the Resurrection City that folks did in Washington, D.C., um, uh, it rained, like, almost every day. And um, so it, wow. was just, it, was, it was really hard conditions. It was, you know, demoralizing for folks. Um, and it was, like, the first time when poor whites from Appalachia and poor blacks from the Mississippi Delta, you know, were really, you know, in a similar mm-hmm. space sharing um, lessons. And, you know, amazing connections were, were born. In fact, the original Rainbow Coalition in Chicago was basically birthed um, in the Poor People's Campaign in 68. You know, Fred Hampton and folks um, mm-hmm. really learned. Some of the leaders, Peggy Perry and other, other leaders, um, were, were, were actually a part of that. Um, and um, so, so anyways, I think a lot of what we're trying to do these days is learn those lessons and make uh, deeper connections amongst these different struggles. Um, and and to also, um, you know, have this happening on a local, a state level. Um, so many of the mm-hmm. policies that are affecting people actually um, are decided upon on a state level. Um, and so to have a to have a national movement that is really about nationalizing state-based movements and local movements is a lot of what we're trying to do. Learning lessons from 67, 68, um, and so uh, so you know a lot of a lot of that, um, you know, so that when we're done with the 40 days of, of moral resistance and action and organizing, mm-hmm. um, that's not the culmination. That's the beginning. Um, and we have leaders um, and strong statewide organizations um, who, who can really keep building this, this movement um, and who can mm-hmm. uh, keep holding people accountable for, for what needs to happen. And so I think a lot of that is trying to study history, also study how um, the powers that be, and in fact, even the police, you know, played a role in really trying to disrupt some of the work that was going on. And mm-hmm. so try to try to figure out, you know, how do we have a, a message that gets out? How do we have the kind of leadership that have the commitment and the capacity and the connection to be able to, to do something um, powerful and sustainable? Um, so that we really build a movement, and it's not just a moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. So, Kato, what are some of the lessons you've learned in your work with Blocks Together, and how might they be instructive for the Poor People's Campaign? Um, I think the importance of of, of having and ensuring that, that the community and residents and our members are equipped with tools as you know, Valerie, we always go to you too to making sure that it's so important for us how being able to have the knowledge, the know how to be able to negotiate, right? That's I think a lot of the time mm-hmm. we've been able to be successful in our campaign because at the core we are we believe in um ownership over buy in. So all the campaigns are really uh, rooted in our members and people directly impacted and also in increasing capacity and ensuring folks have those tools, right? So 
It's not about mm-hmm. me convincing you. You need to be liberated, but me working alongside of you and ensuring that you have um, the tools and the capacity to um, be able to um, move forward in your fight, right, and, and, and be there, like I said earlier, in, in the long haul because well, our mm-hmm. fight for self-determination and it's not going to happen in a day or two, right? So we, we need to be embraced to, to, to have this fight for the long haul and be able to ensure people are equipped with, like, it's really important, like, for in our meetings, we've in, incorporated political education because it's really important for folks to have the historical context of, of the fight and of the movement and also to understand um, the policies and the practices that we're fighting, right, that they're also rooted in, econo- mm-hmm. in the neoliberal economic policy, right? So in order for us to fight that monster you talked about, we have to understand what nourishes it, what keeps it going, mm-hmm. right, because a lot of the times, we're trying to slay that monster, but we also feed it. So in order not to not continue feeding it and making it stronger, we really need to understand, right, um, the context of our fight. And that it takes a lot of understanding. And, and for us, our biggest tool is knowledge and understanding those mm-hmm. fights and who, um, who are the players. Okay, great. So, Dr. Theo Harris, you probably have answered a lot of this next question, but um, we wanted to get an, an overview of the work of the current Poor People's Campaign, you know, how it came to be revived, who the leaders are, what has been accomplished, and, you know, and for me, I'm interested in knowing who some of your partners are in Illinois, you know, whether, whether it be from the city of Chicago or, you know, in other municipalities. Yeah, so um, so the Poor People's Campaign comes out of, you know, more than a decade of, of organizing and, and relationship building, um, both at the Cairo Center and Poverty Initiative has been doing over the years, as well as out of the Forward Together Moral Mondays movement of North Carolina. Um, and um, uh, currently the, the national co-chairs for this campaign are myself and the Reverend Dr. William J. Barber, um, who is the architect of the Moral Mondays movement and um, a pastor in Goldsboro, North Carolina, um, and the former president of the North Carolina NAACP. Um, so we uh, have come together to co-chair the steering committee of the campaign, and that steering committee is made up of about 30 different leaders from various struggles across the country, um, folks from the Gulf Coast to the border to um, the Pacific Northwest um, all kinds of struggles of poor people um, around mm-hmm. uh, sovereignty, around water, around healthcare, around, um, you know, all the issues that are impacting people. And so uh, that steering committee helps to kind of oversee the direction of the campaign and um, has called for us to do these 15 mass meetings and public events um, in these 15 states across the country. Um, as well as connect up with uh, a small select group of, of local leaders, um, again, from 37 mm-hmm. states across the country, who are forming wow. um, Poor People's Campaign state organizing committees. Um, and those state organizing committees um, are made up of, you know, groups like Box Together and leaders like Caro, um, who um, have committed to, to taking up um, this work of this campaign and, and helping to coordinate um, the work across, you know, both cities and states um, across the country. And so, uh, you know, there's all kinds of organizations that have signed on to the campaign. We're still in the process of figuring out a more formal endorsement process. Um, 
Uh, we, we actually won't announce and launch the Poor People's Campaign kind of more formally until December um, of, of 2017, um, where we really put out more of the plans for the spring mobilization, where 40, for 40 days, people in 25 states and, and in Washington, D.C. will, will engage in nonviolent civil disobedience over a course of, of six weeks. Um, and um, uh, so, you know, at this point, that's the kind of, the phase of development that we're in, and mm-hmm. we we've um, we're working to kind of identify local leaders in this different state who are willing to kind of mm-hmm. commit and hold the work um, and connect people across all kinds of different um, uh, organizations. Because um, this isn't about building up an organization, you know, Cairo Center and Repairs of the Breach River Barbers Organization, you know, aren't trying to build up our you know, our organizations, we're trying to, to make sure that on a state level, um, people across various organizations are able to come together and, um, mm-hmm. and build something that's powerful and that can really launch a, a movement, like be a vehicle to build a, a movement, an anti-poverty, anti-racist movement in this country. And so, um, so we feel very good about where this work is, is heading. Um, you know, real mm-hmm. leaders, real heroes and heroines across the country have stepped forward and said, you know, we are committed to this. You know, some folks that have been in the struggle before um, have said to us, uh, you know, I have time to suit up one last time um, and we want, you know, <laughs> I, and I want this, this struggle to be um, the one that I suit up for. And, and then again, younger people awesome. are saying, you know, things are not going well, so we got to do something about this. Um, so, so that's, that's kind of how it is. Um, you know, folks have, have come together. We're, we're at the uh, kind of initial phases of, of this campaign. Um, we see it as a starting point. You know, we see the 50th anniversary of what King was doing, at, not as a commemoration. Um, we're tired of commemorations um, where people <laughs> just honor what people did before. Um, and it's also very hard to commemorate um, something that, that still hasn't achieved um, what it, what it needs to achieve. I mean, there were real w- wins out of the Poor People's Campaign of '68, but but poverty, as we talked about at the beginning of this show, is is worse than ever. Um, and so um, mm-hmm. we're not interested in um, commemorating. We're interested in you know reaching back um, into what um, Dr. King was doing, into what other leaders uh, were doing back in '67, '68, and um, seeing where they left off, and seeing if we can take up that work. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. And on that note, I got one last question for both of you, and we'll start with you, Dr. Theo Harris. Uh, what steps do you think we need to take in order to begin to make progress toward Dr. Martin Luther King's vision of eradicating poverty in America? It's a great question. Um, we see that the two main goals of this stage of the campaign are to shift the moral narrative, get us talking and debating and acting and working uh, around um, the issue of poverty, and then to build the power in local communities, in states, um, to be able to not just win a policy change or a program, but to to start to shift um, what is politically um, and economically and socially possible. Um, and so the two goals of this campaign are to shift that narrative and to build power um, because we think by, 
by changing the way that people think um, and the way that people believe. We are able to win people that 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 poverty ending poverty is possible, and in fact, what needs to be done and what should be done and what can be done. Um, and this is how we're going to do it, you know, with uh, you know with these sets of programs and policies, but then also with having a political base of poor people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in in large numbers who are organized organized and united. Um, that that's what we're trying to do is is to to build the vehicle that will become a movement that can hold um, the powers that be accountable for for what is going on in our country and 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 world. Um, and and make things better for everyone. Okay, awesome. Okay, Cato, um, same question for you. Um, definitely, um, as was misstated, um, and continue doing, um, I think, at the core, be, beginning to understand, that, that doing that political understand, uh, education so that we understand how the system is, um, we are in the conditions we are by design, right? Somebody's making money off of our poverty. Yeah, um, so I think we need to understand. I think it's really important to have that political education piece so people understand um, what are the systems and structures that um, created our conditions. One, uh, bringing people together, equipping folks with the tools and capacity to lead the fight, right, um, for the long haul. Mm -hmm. I think it is possible um, to eradicate poverty and to um, really push forward uh, an agenda, a vision, right, and exert our power, right, because a lot of times... um, we give away our power by thinking um, uh, outside entities have power to give us what we want. And now we don't realize that um, we have the power, right, and um, that what they they are, they're just gatekeepers, right, And but we give them the power right. when we don't exert ours as a community. So I think um, it's very important that we realize um, where the power lies and that we don't give it away and that, and that mm-hmm. we're clear and creating our vision. In our values, right, and in our practices, I think um, I think it's important that um, that's why I really um, res- the moral revival really resonates with our work because it's, I think it's so important for us to um, have a clear vision and, and and be valued and be principled in our practices, right? We have mm-hmm. to be able to make sh- to say that our work is rooted in this in this moral work, in the work that is uh, based off of our principles. So I think uh, we're 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 in the we're taking those first steps and we just need to continue building and um, mm-hmm. coming together um, as the people that have been directly impacted and um, have been able to be resilient and survive right. But these are not the conditions that um, that that we we are supposed to engage in. So this whole thing that um, this is our cross to bear this, that's BS, right? And the, and there's somebody making mm-hmm. money off of our conditions. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, we've come to the end of our show, and I'd like to thank Reverend Dr. Liz Dio Harris, co-director of the Cairo Center and co-founder and coordinator of the Poverty Initiative, as well as Catalina Gaite. She's the co-director of Blocks Together for being our guest today. So one last word before we go, ladies, are there any parting thoughts, and can you tell us how we can reach you, how we can sign on to this work? Viva October 12th. Yep, good. Uh, Go for it, Carol. Sorry, Sorry. exactly. Viva October 12th. Once again, the address is 
22 West Douglas Boulevard, Historic Stone Temple Church. Um, please be there. You're what we're waiting for you. Yes, yes, yes. And how might people contact you in the event that they want to if they need to more information or the campaign? They can call Blocks Together's number seven seven three nine four zero two three one nine. Our website is www.btchicago.org. Okay, and you have information also about the local level campaign. Is that correct? All that is on the website, yes. We, I guess so we meet the okay. second um, Saturday of every month to Blocks Together mm-hmm. from 1 to 3. The address is 3711 West Chicago Avenue. Okay, great. And you, Dr. Theo Harris. So, Again, I encourage folks to come out October 12th. Um, myself and others will be there and looking forward to it. Um, uh, for more information in general about the Poor People's Campaign, you can go to poorpeoplescampaign.org um, or you can check out um, the Cairo Center's website or um, the Repairs of the Breach website. Cairo Center is Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, Center, C-E-N-T-E-R.org. Um, you can uh, reach me and others um, through our website, um, and uh, you know there's educational materials and quotes and videos um, on on both of those websites. So it's really worth um, checking out um, and using in your community. So, uh, but it's been great to be on this on this uh, radio show with you, um, and you know very impressed by the work that's happening out of Chicago, um, and the work that Blocks Together is doing. Um, so looking forward to, to doing more in the future together. Okay, great, great. And I hope to meet you on the 12th. And I, I thank Kato for all the hard work that she does in Chicago and beyond. Okay, so I want to thank our – oh, you're welcome, you're welcome. Thank our listening audience for bearing with us and sticking with us to the very end. Um, so thank you for listening to Nonprofit U Blog Radio Talk Show today. The show will be available for download within about an hour or so. Be sure to join us next week when our guest will be Daniel Ash. Daniel is the Chief Marketing Officer at the Chicago Community Trust, and he'll share tactics on storytelling in the run-up to Giving Tuesday. Alrighty, so until then, you take care. And always think of Moral Mondays. Bye-bye.